Well, we're in Psalm 102. Let's get into the word, a word from our sponsor this morning. Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you're doing in our midst. And Lord, we thank you for that uh, time of praise, uh, that, that song ministered to me personally. And I just thank you and praise you that you are an intimate God. You're a God who knows exactly what's going on in our lives. Oftentimes, we come into a crowd and, and we feel alone. We might feel that, that nobody cares. We might feel distant. And we bring that into our relationship with you and nothing could be further from the truth. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Your Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. You never leave us. You never forsake us. So, Father, even this morning as we come to gather as, as individuals, singles, married, young, old, children, no children, we it's a part of the body of Christ. So help us to become one. As long as you call us to be here, help us to become one for your glory. And, Father, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning. As we go over these verses that, again, I know you want to minister to each and every heart in a unique way. That we would be open to that. Whatever this past week or month has held, we want to, even once again, just lay that at your throne. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Soften our hearts. That we might hear from heaven. We thank you for this time, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, and this morning we find ourselves in Psalm 102. And this is a, a very sad song, and most likely written during the Israelites' captivity in Babylon. Again, just to bring you very quickly up to speed, um, Israel was in rebellion. The ten tribes were carried off to Assyria. Two southern tribes were carried off to Babylon. Constant rebellion. I shouldn't say constant, sorry. The northern tribes were in constant rebellion. The southern tribes, they would have a good king, they would have a bad king. A good king, good king, bad king, bad king. Good king, bad king. It was this on, off, on, off. And then, then towards the end, bad, bad, bad. Idol worship, idol worship, idol worship. And God finally said, you're done. It's time for discipline. You're off to Babylon. So then every, every tribe was removed at that point from the land of Israel. And the psalmist here describes his sorrow over his desperate disposition at the hands of his enemy. So in verses 1 through 7, we're going to again read a very sad description of one who is enduring trials and tribulations. Psalm 102, a prayer of the afflicted. When he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. That's an incredible title for a song. Again, if you're new or visiting, the Psalms are actually songs. And they would have been sung. We don't know the melody, so unfortunately we can't sing them, but they were songs. And so here's the title to this song. This, this probably didn't make the top 100s. This was kind of a bummer song. But again, as we read these, we want to understand sometimes there's introduction, sometimes there's not. Here is a very good introduction of where this person is at. And maybe you're sitting there this morning, maybe you, here we go, when he is overwhelmed. 
Maybe you just feel overwhelmed this morning. Maybe life just threw something at you this past week that, what? What? I mean, this happened to, to most of you know, to my wife and I a couple years ago when she was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer. She's doing really good now, praise God. But that was just one of those, whoa, this is overwhelming. What's going on? But as we're going to see, notice the second part of the introduction, and pours out his complaint before the Lord. That's key. That's key. So verses 1 through 7. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of trouble. Now, even as I did the introduction, complaint, a lot of times we think of complaining, we think of whining and murmuring. And notice he's not doing that, so it's probably not the best word to choose, but that's the word that the translators chose. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I am like a a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetops. You see, this person here is, is pouring out his heart because his life is filled, as we've just read, with pain. His body appears to be falling apart and he feels all alone. And, and I would venture to say that many of us, if not all of us, could identify with this person in some way at some time in our lives. And again, maybe it's even right now this morning. But what I appreciate about this individual is that he is crying out to the one who can help him the most, God. Family members, friends, acquaintances, and today we could plug in social media, are so important. Social media is very, very important to many people. Nowadays, but only God can help us at certain times of our lives. You unfortunately, many people wait until the last minute. They'll go to family members, they'll go to friends, they'll go to pastors, deacons, which I'm not saying any of that is wrong per se, but they'll be running around or until God is their last option. Well, I guess I should Pray. That really needs to be our our first option. Calling out to him in our time of need. And then as we do that, then obviously seeking out counsel with others, but you know, believers, family members, whatever it might be, even maybe something on social media. But making sure that we're going to God first and foremost. This is what the psalmist is doing. He's not complaining. He's pouring out his heart. Verses 8 through 11, again, this individual once again expresses what we may feel at times, that God appears to be against him. Everything has failed, and his enemies have the upper hand in his life. 
verse 8, my enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Notice the sorrow of heart here. This is a very, very sad situation. And then he says, because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. You see, in these verses here, there's not a lot of hope. And maybe someone here this morning finds themselves in the place of this psalmist here, especially verse 10 there. You have lifted me up and cast me away. And that's why you want to read, make sure that you read from Genesis to Revelation, that you read the whole counsel of God as this individual is expressing himself. But you have to be careful that you don't take a verse or something that someone says in the Bible and take it out of context and then develop a theology. No, no. You allow the Bible to develop your theology. Don't take your theology and have the Bible develop it. Or develop around your theology. Do it the other way around. And when you're wrong in your theology, just admit it. Because the Bible says that what? God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And you'll see in a few minutes as we keep going through these verses here that God had not forsaken the people in Babylon. He had not forsaken them at all. Verses 12 through 17, what's the answer? What is the answer? He shows us. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. So notice he just expressed like he was cast away, but yet God's still the center. So again, we see the human emotions, but we also see facts, 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 facts. And we all have human emotions, That's part of our makeup. But we need to always keep coming back to the facts. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. Now, in case you're new or you're not familiar, he's speaking of Jerusalem here. And this is over 2,500 years ago. 2,500 years ago, Islam did not come into existence until 600 AD. This is 500 BC. The Jews were in Israel. The Jews owned Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel. David lived 1,000 BC, 3,000 years ago. These are little facts that you need to memorize so that when people come against you or against Israel and they shoot off at the mouth that Israel is occupying someone else's land, you can take them back to the word of God. Well, you know, that's not correct. King David. Well, King David never lived there. Just ask him a simple question. Have you been to Israel? Well, no. Well, why don't you go? Why don't you go? Take a trip with us in March. I've been there seven times. It's going to be my eighth trip. The city of David is the city of David. And it is just outside the walls of the Temple Mount. Archaeology is unbelievable. David and the Israelites were there. There's absolutely no doubt, no question. So don't let the media 
or the other forces that are out there try to discredit that Israel was not in the land. Israel was in the land. And they deserve to be there. And so here, just so just to bring you up to speed, that's what this is all about. So the nation shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. What's the answer? Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord in your desperate times. The name of the Lord has endured throughout the generations and it will continue to endure forevermore. And it appears that it is time for the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city of the great king. The nations around Jerusalem will once again fear the name of the Lord because it is the Lord who will rebuild Jerusalem. And that took place. That took place. Again, maybe this is for one person here this morning. My answer to you is cry out to God. He's interested in your life. He's listening And he's willing to answer. The question is, are you willing to talk? And then after you talk, are you willing to listen? I do marital counseling. I do a lot of listening. And there's people that do a lot of talking. And sometimes they do too much talking. It's almost like they like to hear their own voice. And I have to call them out. So you know what? You're, you're, you're talking too much. Are you even listening? Did you just hear what she said? Uh, did you hear what he just said? But they'll start arguing right in front of me. And the other person is trying to apologize. But they're so bent on their position that just didn't hear the apology. And I'm a referee. I have to go, wait, 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 wait. Did you just hear what they said? Give it a rest. Stop talking. Open up your heart. So even for you and I today, we can go to God and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Do we stop to listen? Do we open his word on a regular basis? You see, the psalmist declares that the Lord hears the prayers of his people and that he will answer those prayers. And as we read the whole counsel of God, we know that there was a sad time of discipline. Jeremiah, 70 years are determined. 70 years of discipline. You're going to Babylon for 70 years. You can pray to be released. You're not going to be released because this is God-ordained. Set up camp. Pray for the king. Take care of your families. Stay focused on me. But you're not coming back until 70 years have passed. I believe as we read this, 70 years have passed. And now God is going to let them go back and reestablish Jerusalem once again. It was a set time to return as well as the ladies are studying the the book of Nehemiah. And you ladies probably know this. There was an exact time, an exact time, an exact day when Nehemiah went before the king. And the king said, go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And from that day, it fulfilled the prophecy in Daniel. 173,880 days later, To the day Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey. 
173,880 days. You see, God is very, very specific. And as we go through things, we want it to end now. God, end it now. I don't want this anymore. Now. No, you're not done learning yet. You haven't matured yet. Biblical example, Paul prayed three times that his thorn in the flesh would be healed. I believe personally, I wouldn't debate about it. It's not an issue of salvation. I believe it was poor eyesight as you put it all, put the clues all together. So he wanted to be healed. Maybe he just didn't have enough faith. Maybe that was a problem. Paul just didn't have enough faith. Give me a break. God said, no, Paul. No, no, no. My grace is sufficient for you. Don't ask anymore. And Paul stopped asking. But then Paul wrote, in my weakness, he is strong. I think Paul gives us an insight into his own prideful life. That Paul needed a thorn in the flesh so that he didn't go back to his prideful life. He was a Pharisee. He had everything in the Jewish culture that could be offered at that day and time. But he was also full of pride. And God has a way of lovingly breaking us so that we'll depend on him and not on us to do the work that he wants us to do even in your workplace. Because yes, we need to go make widgets. We need to make widgets. But there's people there that need Jesus. And they're making widgets right alongside of us. But they're going to hell. And you're going to heaven. So it's not just a matter of making widgets. Putting your head down, I'm going to make my widget. I'm going to make my widget. I'm going to make my... No, no, no. Be available for that, that pagan, that heathen that you used to be. Any of you used to be a pagan or a heathen? Feel free to raise your hand because you all were. Don't try to sneak out here. You were all pagans. I was as well. Until somebody came to me and said, hey, you need Jesus. <laughs> I do. This will be written for the generation to come in verse 18. Isn't this amazing? We're sitting here. How many generations removed from this writing? This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may whine to the Lord. That a people yet to be created may complain to the Lord. That a people yet to be created may move away from the Lord. Doesn't say any of that, does it? But what do we like to do? And that maybe not, that's the wrong terminology. But what do we find ourselves doing? We don't like to do it. What do we find ourselves doing sometimes? Not praising the Lord. I don't want to go through this. I don't know where you are, God. You're not the God that I used to know. You've changed. Something's wrong. It's not, it's not me, God. I know that. It can't be me. Mm, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's you. It's not God. It's me. It's not God. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Guys, you and me, we are so blessed to have the word of God on our laps. And it is filled with tremendous insights. And even as we study this morning, we are inviting, hopefully, hopefully, at every Bible study, we are inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives as he does that work. The next generation should see the results of that work. And let, let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hands or anything like that, but just think about it. Maybe you weren't a believer when you got married 
and you became believers. And maybe you had children before you were a believer. Or maybe you even had grandchildren before you were a believer. Now that you're a believer, have they seen a difference? Have they seen a difference in your lifestyle, in your language, in the literature you read, in the movies you watch or the TV you watch? Have they seen a difference in you? Because that's the next generation and they may rebel and reject and do whatever they're going to do. That's not on the table for us to go, well, they're just going to reject it anyway. So no, 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 no. We're called to be believers in 2018. Whatever happens in politics happens. We are called to be believers in 2018 and stand firm upon the word of God. So that next generation that is accepting homosexual lifestyles, that next generation of believers that is accepting, even within the church, that living together outside of marriage is acceptable, we have to be that example. Not that we're perfect, because we all sin. But don't we want to be that example for them? Or should we just stand off and go, well, they're all going to hell. It's unbelievable. I wish somebody would do something. How about you? How about me? Are we being that example for that next generation? You see, no matter how dark it gets, even throughout the great tribulation, there will be a body of believers that will be seeking after the ways of the Lord. So no matter how dark it gets, no matter how destitute, Jimmy, you want to throw that slide up there? No matter how destitute it may appear to be, God always has his remnants. And we have to be very careful that we don't, don't become self-righteous in any way, shape, or form. Because that's not the meaning of that at all. But as you look at history, God has always had a remnant. And you and I, we should desire to be a part of that remnant even to this day. It may mean that our own family members turn against us. Our own children turn against us. Or grandchildren. Well, you got to get up with the times, Grandpa. Uh, no, I'm just sticking with Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and life. He has not changed. He hasn't changed. You know, God has not changed. Just the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He loves everyone. 7.3 billion people. But not every lifestyle is acceptable. For Christians or non-Christians. And so we have to be that example. Verses 19 through 22. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven the Lord viewed the earth. To hear the groaning of the prisoner. To release those appointed to death. I could see that reading the whole word of God is you and me, our spiritual death. We were all in sin. We were all heading to heaven, hell. To declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. One day, this is in Revelation, it's going to take place. All the nations on this earth will gather together to worship the Lord in Jerusalem and it will be during the millennial reign of Christ. And what a glorious day that will be. And as believers, we are guaranteed to be there and will witness it firsthand. That is a blessed promise. He weakened his strength. He shortened his days. I said, oh my God, do not take away 
Do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. The psalmist here is, is covering and he's concerned that his life would be shortened, that he would miss out on what the Lord was going to do. Because again, it would be at least 70 years before some were able to return to Jerusalem. And there were many, many thousands who missed out on that opportunity. So as I mentioned earlier, they died in Babylon. They died in captivity. Question, was God with them? Was God with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was with them throughout the captivity, and those who believed in him are with him now and will always be throughout eternity. Their days of hardship have been over for hundreds of years, and they are basking in the glory of God. And so the psalmist here wraps up the simple truth of creation. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you will endure. Guys, the Bible tells us that everything we know of right here on this earth, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. So be careful how much stock we put on this side of heaven because it is all going to burn. Yes, they will grow. They, we, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. It's called eternity. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. So guys, for you and me today, in 2018, I look at this last verse, your children your, of your servants. That's, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've made him your Lord, then you're his servant. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to pass on that heritage to our children. And to our grandchildren, to those who would desire to hear. Obviously, they could have closed ears. I understand that. We have four. We have 13 grandkids. We get it. We understand. But we still need to be that example. We can't compromise. Well, they don't want to hear it, so we're not going to do it. No. I don't care if they want to hear it or not. They're going to hear it. Because God is way more important than being politically correct. Psalm 103, this is one of my favorite psalms. I just love this psalm. I go to it very, very often. I believe that King David wrote this after his encounter with Bathsheba. And when you read this psalm, it is totally different than what we just previously read. You see, it's not about what the psalmist was going to do, but rather what God had already done. That's kind of key. Jim, you want to throw up that slide? What God had already done. Very, very important. Because in our lives, oftentimes we're wondering, well, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Well, if you read his word, if you read his word, if you read his word, you're going to see that God has already done it. Verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, how easy it is to forget what God has done for us. And in this psalm, David points out some of the most important things that God has done for us as believers. But how easy it is to forget the basics, the basics of our faith. You see, to sacrifice the eternal. Let that sink in a second. To sacrifice the eternal 
on the altar of the temporal. Let that sink in for a second. Because if this was written with the incident of Bathsheba in mind, King David temporarily forgot his heavenly destination. How about you and me? King David temporarily forgot his heavenly destination to fulfill his earthly desires. He should have been out in the battle. If he would have been out in the battle, Bathsheba would have never taken place. For whatever reason, he got lazy, he got relaxing relaxing in the kingdom, and he wasn't out where he should have been. He should have been out in the battlefield. And for you and I, it can happen to us. Instead of being in the battle, we get lazy, we get lethargic. The Bible sits on the desk all week long. We grab it on Sunday morning. We don't have a time of prayer. We're not out at ladies' Bible studies or men Bible studies or a midweek Bible study because we have so many other important things to watch on TV. And then we wonder, what's going on? What's going on? I don't get it. It's very simple. It's very simple. If you invest, you're going to get something out of it. If you don't, you won't. So be careful that we don't sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporal. Verses 3 through 5. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Again, if this is about Bathsheba, it's hard to forgive others unless you really come to understand just how much God has forgiven you. I'm going to say that again. This is key. Guys, this is my, my, I have 45 minutes to disciple you. This is a key principle in Christianity. Please listen to this. Because I'm not going to sit down with 150 of you and tell you individually this principle. I got one time right now. So please listen. It is hard to forgive others unless you really come to understand just how much God has forgiven you. When you truly come to understand that, you will always be able to forgive. Now, this doesn't negate church discipline or having healthy boundaries or any of that nonsense. No, no, keep it in balance. We need to have those things at times, but we need to always forgive. Because if we don't, I will be the one that suffers. That person could be dead and gone. And I'm holding on to bitterness, resentment, anger, frustration, whatever it is. I'm holding on because I can't forgive. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Yeah, on the human plane, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Heavenly plane, you're absolutely wrong. If they ask for forgiveness, God will forgive them, whether you forgive them or not. Because that's God. You need to get over that. I need to get over that. You see, after David's sin with Bathsheba and before his sin was exposed, he expressed in Psalm 32 that he felt like his life was drying up, that there was judgment upon him. And for a season possibly up to a year, no one else knew what King David had done, but David knew what was going on. And when he finally confessed his sin, the burden of guilt was lifted off his shoulders. 
and he felt like he was young again. Notice, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm 58, I'm getting old, my youth is not going to be renewed. I, I do things around the house, my hands ache, my wrists ache. It's like, boy, I'd like to be 25. I say this, but I really don't. I'd like to be 25 again. No, I don't. I really don't. I love where I'm at. But I'm just saying physically, you know, there's certain things. I was climbing a ladder going up to 25 feet. I was scared. I didn't used to be scared. Halfway up, I'm talking myself through this going, okay, this ladder's not going to go anywhere. Just keep going. Just keep going. I got a paint bucket in one hand, the toothbrush, the toothbrush, the paintbrush in my teeth, and I'm climbing up this ladder ever so slowly. It's not going to go anywhere. But boy, was I scared. The body's getting old. My knees are hurting going up. I'm like, man, thank God I got a new body waiting for me. Verses 6 through 10. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Do you know that about God? And do you really know that? He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Praise God. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. Don't ever pray for justice. God, give me what I deserve. Don't ever pray that. <laughs> that you know, thanks be to God that he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. For we all know that it would not go well for any one of us. We all know that. It would not go well. Verses 11 through 14. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who reverence him. Fear here is not an unhealthy fear of God, but a healthy fear of God. As the heavens, you can find this in the Bible, the first heavens are everything within our atmosphere. The second heavens are everything outside our atmosphere. The third heaven is heaven itself where God resides. resides. That's the three heavens, not the Mormon three heavens, the biblical three heavens. That's the three heavens. So as David is staring up after his confession, after being forgiven, as he's out in the night and he's now staring up to the sky instead of staring out at Bathsheba, as he's staring up at the stars that you and I stare up to as well, what does he proclaim? Your forgiveness, your mercies are higher than the heavens. Guys, David didn't know this. We found out through science the nearest star they believe is 4.2 light years away. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's pretty fast. If you could jump on a ray of light, 186,000 miles per second, it would still take you 4.2 years to get to the nearest star. That's pretty far. So how high, how much mercy does God have? And then how much mercy do we have? Yeah, about this much. Maybe if you put it up to your eye, you go, oh, wow, I got a lot of mercy. You put it out here, I got that much mercy. Again, it's the same thing with forgiveness. If you don't understand how much mercy you've gotten from God, you won't extend it to others. Sometimes we just don't appreciate something until we really need it. Sometimes we just don't appreciate forgiveness or grace or mercy until we Need it. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, 
So the Lord pities those who reverence him. For he knows our frames. He remembers that we are dust. I have verse 12 highlighted in my Bible. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And why would that be? For me, if, if you're, if for anyone in this room, if you're going around the globe and you're facing east, which way will you always be facing? East, always. If you're going around the globe, watch my hand. It's going the opposite direction. And you're facing west. Which way will you always be facing? West. East and west never meet. North pole, south pole. North pole, south pole. North pole, south pole. See, the Bible is very intricate. It's very detailed. And so what does it say? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Your transgressions. Make it my transgressions. So can I forgive somebody? I think I should. How do I do that? By knowing how much I've been forgiven and asking God through the Holy Spirit to give me strength. Let's look at Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, 18 through 19. So if you have a Bible, if you don't, please get a Bible. There's some in the chairs in front of you. The team always puts up a slide and they show you where it's at. And so you'll see that it's almost in the middle of your Bible. They'll give you two before, two after. Hunt it down. Micah seven eighteen says this. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Notice that. God delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Notice that. It's another verse I have highlighted. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. To this day, we cannot go to the depths of the sea. Our bodies will blow up. God cast all of our sins, not a few of them, not even the ones we confess. God has cast all of our sins at the cross into the depths of the sea. And then I just kind of add my own little thing. And he puts a sign on the shore that says no fishing. Because what do we like to do? especially in an argument with our mate. Well, last year, you, I mean, you women have great memories. I I go, I don't know, whatever happened. If you said I did it, I did it. Some people got really good memories, and boy, can they pull up the past fast and tell you everything you did wrong in the last year. So I guess you really didn't forgive me, did you? No, you didn't. Colossians 1, 21 and 22, as the music team comes up. Colossians 1, 22 21, 22, this includes you who were once far away from God. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are, you are, you are holy and blameless, as you stand before him without a single fault from heaven to earth, that verse is for you. And from earth to heaven, we know we have problems. We know we sin. Everyone in this room sinned this past week. But you got to get heaven's perspective so that you can become more like heaven. If you let the enemy just continually beat you up, you won't become more like Jesus because you won't be going to the Bible to hear how much God loves you. Because you're going to be living with that unhealthy fear. God's mad at me. God's mad at me. I sinned this week. God's mad at me. God's mad at me. Get over it. God's not mad at you. He loves you. 
We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Verses 15, as for man, his days are like grass as a flower of the field. So he flourishes for the wind passes over it and it is gone and his place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And here we sit 3000 years later, as David writes on those who reverence him and his righteousness to children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. David just breaks out in praise because of this forgiveness, because of his mercy, God's mercy. He just breaks out in praise, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. And lastly, what does he say? Bless the Lord, O my mind. Does he say that? O my soul. Not about feelings. It's a command. Bless the Lord. The soul is your personality. It's who you are. Good days, bad days, that's your soul. And we have to command our souls at time. While we all stand, we have to command our souls to bless the Lord. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've had a tough week, a tough month, a tough year. Maybe the last decade's been really hard on you. We're here for you. We can pray with you. We can love you. We can counsel you. But you have to be the one to make the decision that I am going to bless the Lord. I am going to do it. I'm going to bless his name because he is worthy of my praise. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyways because he is worthy. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, you are worthy of all praise. And there are times where we just don't feel like it. We have bad days, bad weeks, maybe a bad month. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit even right now, even afresh, anew. That we would take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we would proclaim, we would demand that our soul praise you. Because you're God. Why would we sing, you're a good, good father, but then run away from you? It's a contradiction. So, Father, help us not to contradict ourselves. But to come to you, you are a loving, heavenly Father who wants to meet us. Lord, we pray for anyone in this room this morning who is suffering mentally, emotionally, physically. Father, we pray, I know that you're ready to meet them. We pray that they would turn to you right now, right this very minute. That they would turn to you and say, I surrender. I'm going to stop and I'm going to command my soul to praise you because you are worthy of all praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless, guys. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come up. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. 
worship your holy name. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, worship your Your holy name. Amen. Lord be with you.